Hello, you're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. Happy August, Simone. Yeah! I know, it's been, you know, the summer we've been traveling, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of special episodes, but I think we're ready to get back into the groove. Are you? I was teasing BJ, I'm like, yeah, and... I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah. Feel a little rusty still. <laughs> we got it. Well, I don't know if it's the time or the lunch that we had today that we're maybe feeling a little tired. <laughs> I think we could blame it on the lunch. Yeah. Why don't you tell everyone where we went? So, um, you know, in a previous Delta Dispatches episode, um, uh, I was uh, mocked for never have having been to Rocky and Carlos. And um, the restaurant in De Paris. The institution. And um, the love of my life, Jacques Hebert, my co-host, took me today. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, we were down. We were actually down. Were in, you embarrassed that I had never Parish. been before? And so- no, you you did well. You played off really well. We were in Plaquemines Parish and we needed a place to eat lunch. So yes. I thought, what better opportunity? Take St. Bernard Highway back, you know, stop at Rocky and Carlos. I will say I was not a very good guide because I was just like, you need to just eat everything. Yeah, you were like... Oh, yeah, the Italian stuff's amazing. Oh, look, there's the fried chicken. That's really great. Oh, gosh, and they're poor boys. They're roast beef. They're roast beef. <laughs> it's like I just wanted to eat all of it, but we kind of almost did. It's the pressure of, like, walking up because they have the yeah. lunch counter, and then they have the first menu, and then they have the menu laid out in front of you. And it's it's just a lot so of many pressure. Options. Well, of course, we had baked macaroni. We did. And we, we had... Did. We did the test. <laughs> you tried to eat healthy. I know. And I, got green beans. And <laughs> they were fried green they beans. Were fried green beans. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lord. I know. And they're I, good, too. They're good. And, but I did have the baked chicken, which I'm sure, you know. But uh, baked macaroni. And we had it with a side of red gravy and yes. a side of brown gravy. And which we did came the in test. a mug. Like a mug with a handle. Like, no kidding you. And then one of our friends got the brown gravy, too. And it came in a styrofoam cup. Like coffee. Serious, like, like with yeah, a spoon, yeah. like I mean, you could drink it. I'm sure. So we we did, you know, a little bit of the red gravy on the ma- baked yeah, macaroni. So we had a, a marinara versus red gravy the, conversation of as the well. brown gravy mm-hmm. on the baked macaroni. Mm-hmm. So do you have an opinion now? Can you answer the question at long last? So we, red when, gravy or brown? When gravy? Jerry was on here, J- didn't Jerry split the baby a little bit? Like I very much like the eggplant sticks with the red gravy mm-hmm. that was like mm-hmm. nice but then i like to bake macaroni with the brown gravy mm-hmm. like and then aaron who was with us said her fried oysters in the red gravy yeah. so yeah. I, it maybe just depends on the pairing yeah i agree i think that's a good answer I even maybe dipped a green bean <laughs> in the gravy <laughs> the fried green bean in the brown gravy well Anyway, it was a fun day, but it wasn't it was all fun. fun. We, well, it was fun. We went down to yeah. uh, the Waterways exhibit yes. down at Phoenix High School. We sure did. You had an opportunity to go last week mm-hmm. um, and and talk to Darylin mm-hmm. and and her kids with uh, our friend Charles and uh, at their summer camp. And so you had an opportunity to go out there, but I wanted to see it as well. We had Brian on the mm-hmm. show and Monica and Darylin to talk about it. It was really beautiful and and um, very applicable to Plaquemines Parish and and water, but also you know. Um, is so much about just kind of water that could fit in anywhere, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. You know, about water and religion and water, you know, recycled and all these kinds of things. So, very cool Smithsonian exhibit. And it's on its way to Denham yeah, Springs. Yeah, uh, Denham Springs is the next place it will be. Um, and then it's moving its way around the <laughs> Darylin state. Darylin had to pack it up. I know. They're going to have to pack it and get it over to Denham Springs. But I know they were so excited to have it there for the it last so month. Nice. They had all kinds of programming. So, Great I had opportunity. Not, I had not also had 
had not also been on that side of the river the as far down, mm-hmm. right? I had been to Carnarvon before, but I had never been to uh, the high school. Mm-hmm. And so it is so different from the other side uh, of the of the river um, in Plaquemines Parish. And um, we had a little chance to, you had to show me where you grew up. I did. And it I was did. I took, I little shop on play on the playground. Yeah. I loved it. It's just, it's just different on that side and i you know i teach you guys about being a card carrying member of the east bank right but i mean it is different it is different it's a special place yeah so um it was great to see and one of the things that really struck has struck me in the last few years and i think you had a similar um you know opinion driving down there but how many homes are being elevated on the east bank yeah and, and you and i saw it on the way down um and then definitely like we even made a conscious effort to to look on the way up so many homes like newly you know elevated or um and then so high too mm-hmm. but and so you know that was a result of of some isaac uh that area flooded not during katrina mm-hmm. but during parts of, isaac, yeah parts of the parts east bank of didn't right. flood during katrina but they actually flooded for the first time in isaac right so that goes to show you how many people were willing to do it i mm-hmm. wonder how many more they have to go and we even talked a little bit about how many more people in different parts of the parish that maybe weren't mm-hmm. eligible for these home elevation programs would even be interested mm-hmm. in elevating their homes so when we went through your neighborhood one house wow. had been hel- elevated but then we would go through um we would see five in a row right mm-hmm. that were being elevated mm-hmm. yeah so it's definitely something that i think I mean, certainly there is an awareness down there that people know if they, they want to continue to live in that, that area, they love that area, it's home, but they're going to have to live in a different way, right? right? And right. so I think it's a good, I don't know, it's a good example because I think so often with the home elevation stuff and non-structural, we're like, well, what, what's being done? And it's like, well, there are places where this is being done. So what can we learn from there and, and kind of apply elsewhere? Yeah. And I said, um, so where I come from in Terrebonne and LaFouche Terrebonne has a very robust mm-hmm. program. And so when you go down to the Dulac Community Center, you will see that same amount of homes elevated all in a row and mm-hmm. all kinds of different homes, uh, slab homes, trailers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you name it. But it was very reminiscent of when you drive down the bayou in Terrebonne, mm-hmm. how many homes in that little stretch was being elevated. Yeah. Well, you know, so that today was a great day. Um, what else has been going on? I mean, it's been, Ooh, uh, gosh, we have a lot to catch up on. Yeah, yeah, I do feel like we have a lot to catch up on. You were the star of a Walton video. It was so beautiful. It was part of the bigger video mm-hmm. that we shot all about coastal Louisiana. But uh, again, going down there today with you, knowing that you do have this history down in the parish and you're a native, whether Aww. you like it well, or not. Well, I think, you know, everyone in Louisiana or everyone that works on this uh, issue has very interesting Mm -hmm. personal stories. And that's why I love this show because we can highlight those. And and so I think it's just so important that, you know, yes, the science is important. The policy is important, but we need to talk about people and kind of their, their stories as well. So yeah, there's certainly, we should, I want to hear more about little Simone no, and no, I want to hear no, about, no, you know, Terrebonne no, and all that. No. So maybe future we, we did have a bayou in our front yard and everybody was like, did you swim in the bayou? I'm like, uh, no, we swam in the pool in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would, uh, my husband, Billy calls it a ditch. And oh. so at one point it was a much bigger bayou, but yeah, there's also been a lot of news happening mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been a lot of places. You went down to summer camp. We went down to waterways and then, Cynthia Duway, your mm-hmm. colleague, and I went down to the Nichols Farm yeah, yesterday. Yeah, you were on a farm yesterday. Okay, okay so what, I, tell us about I that. I went to Nichols mm-hmm. uh, for four years of my life. I have a, a degree because of it, and um, I did not know they had a farm, and I actually didn't know 
in this life even that it had a farm until about five years or so ago when we were actually looking for something and somebody's like, oh, it's out on the Nichols farm. I'm like, Nichols, that's a lie. That's a myth. There is no Nichols farm. So what are they growing on this farm? So so my kids wanted to know if they had animals. And I'm like, I wouldn't go on if there were that many animals. But um, they are growing native and coastal plants. And um, it's so neat to see. They had the land donated to them in the 70s, a very, very large and nice piece of property. But they are growing all kind of native grasses and uh, smooth cord grass. They even had hibiscus. They're going to be growing irises soon. And the idea is just that um, it would be so much better to get the seeds from some of these plants Mm -hmm. from coastal Louisiana. They also had some oak trees and some cypress. Um, They have some... um, uh, other uh, black mangroves that they're trying to grow and, and different things like that. And uh, the Barataria Terrebonne National Estuary Program also has a very large operation out there with native uh, plants and grasses. That's cool. It was do so some of them, are some of them going to be used to like do marsh yes. plantings and stuff? Yes. So they actually have a contract with CPRA and um, they were doing some work for them, but then also they do a ton of plantings with our good friend Joni Tuck down mm-hmm, in Fushaw mm-hmm. and, and that area as well. So That's I got to go to the cool. farm. Well, um, we still have more to chit chat yeah, about. Yeah, we have a great guest coming up. I'm so excited yeah. um, to introduce you all to her. Um, and yeah, more, more to discuss. It's good to be back in the studio. It Thank is. you for tuning in and we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org slash Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org slash Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats, for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. 
Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I am Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. We say this all the time. We should have a show about what happens in between the breaks, and today it would be the Ben and Penny show because <laughs> they came to the studio with us Aww, today. So. They're so cute. Are they getting yeah. ready to go back to school? No, not soon enough. No, no. <laughs> Can't <laughs> come soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> they have a little ways to go on it's that. It's been a busy summer, right? No, I know. Mm. We, we were just talking earlier about, you know, I feel like we haven't been in here in a while but we've just done a lot of shows and it's just been really active the we went um together mm-hmm. to um uh, an event last week and we've had a couple of other things happen so let's finish chatting about some of those and then, yeah and then we'll get to our great guests so the event i mean i had never been at, at that um you know facility but in la rose it was a great event put on by minnesota public radio with uh wwno and and folks we know here tegan winland and others um, a conversation with Voices of the Bayou, I think. Right, and it right. was uh, Voices of the Bayou. The end of a week-long um, special series yes. on the Mississippi called Flyover. And so they, I think they started up in Minnesota and right. then worked their way yeah, down. Yeah, that's where Carrie's based mm-hmm. out of, right? Mm-hmm. Minnesota Public Radio. And so it was great. I mean, you had some familiar uh, folks there, if you're in the coastal world, Dr. Denise Reed, um, Lance Nasio, who is a shrimper in kind mm-hmm. of Terrebonne region. Yeah. Um, you had... Um, you know, uh, Chief Dardar as well, who was on the panel. Um, you know, other folks in the audience got to participate. You were there. Um, uh, Joni Tuck was there. Alex, Dr. Alex Kolker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was a really, really, I thought it was a very good discussion. Very I agree. I agree. Powerful. I think um, you and I were able to go together. And um, it was, at first, I think maybe we were thinking it was going to be a typical discussion that mm-hmm. we've had. And um, especially, you know, considering some of the voices that were there. Uh, and it was just really interesting. Mm-hmm. It was very civil. I felt everybody listened mm-hmm. really well. Um, I, we heard some totally new and different perspectives, some new way of saying some things. And so um, I think even, even when it came to some of the folks that maybe aren't always on the same side. I thought it was, you know, everybody kind of listened when, o- with open ears. Mm-hmm. And so the conversation kept going and they kept saying we didn't want it to stop. And um, even, you know, after the taping was over, you and I talked a long time to other people mm-hmm. who were yeah. just like, hey, I, I appreciated what you said, but I wanted to tell you this, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, I thought, I mean, there were, I mean, there was no doubt, like no question. I think that's so often the case, like, we this the situation's urgent. People recognize what's happening. Right. They they see, I mean, especially for the people in this community, right. they they see it. They have seen it so often, um, and and so severely, right? So, um, there's no question in terms of what's happening, and even about what we need to do in some right. cases, I think. But, um, I, I did appreciate that even if there were different opinions on on what needed to be done, everyone kind of respected each other I agree. so i think you should go online i forget the exact um web address but if you search for flyover you know uh, minnesota public radio wwno voices of the bayou you can catch it right yeah great... that was that was really interesting and, and too good we didn't want to pass up mm-hmm. chatting about it and we brought 360 which has been great we've been bringing it all over we had a lot yeah. of good response mm-hmm. you took it uh we took it there it was mm-hmm. nice to see people everybody's kind of really blown away but and you took it to daryl and summer camp as well yes and then we also took it um to the lower ninth ward living museum there's a yes. camp there that they have for i think you know pre teens teens where they teach the the students about the environment through fishing so they teach them about various things um, related to the environment and then kind of freshwater species, saltwater species. And then they take them out on a fishing trip to see oh, it fun. firsthand. That's and fun. so we brought it. And it was so funny because, you know, I'm used to kind of having to really walk people through the whole, 
here's how you put the headset on and here's how you push it. And <laughs> I get there and the kids are like, oh, I have one of those at home. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, right. they were like teaching me how to use it. So, But I just saw um, a photo that the, the, the organizer of the, the camp sent and the kids had gone out and caught a bunch of perch and oh. were so excited. So it was cool. <laughs> That's very cool. So, so we were cool. in La Rose one day and the day before we were in Lafitte. And we also, I heard that it's going on the road, 360s, you know, we Right. Our yeah, friends are taking cool. it are all over. It's, they, we have some in D.C. now um, taking it. It is very yeah. cool. Um, I did refer to some somebody to the website the other day because um, they wanted to know if they could see it without the headsets. And so, yeah, and, it, and it's you available can. online. Mm-hmm. You can watch on your phone, your uh, your computer. You just you, you kind of might need to scroll with your mouse, mm-hmm. but you can still watch it. Very cool. Um, also, I wanted to we have a couple of blogs that you've posted about different projects that we talked about and also about some, you know, really great myth busting. Right. So, um you can go to our website, MississippiRiverDelta.org, um, on our blog, which is also called Delta Dispatches. Uh, we just posted one about um, the Lake Caillou Headlands uh, Restoration Project, also known as Whiskey Island, um, yeah. which is, depending on how you slice it, the largest <laughs> restoration project completed to date. Um, certainly largest by by volume and tonnage of, of sand yeah. used, because yeah. they got that from Ship Shoal. And then also... Everybody's um, biting bragging rights. I know. <laughs> I mean, in terms of acreage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's actually a very good point to bring up that in terms of acreage, but it also was kind of fairly low cost considering mm-hmm. some of the project numbers that we often toss around. So I think it was about $107 million mm-hmm. if I'm, or somewhere in that neighborhood. So that's also important too, right? Yeah. You kind of got the most bang for well, your buck like, there. And also as the state continues to do more mm-hmm. of these, they may get more efficient in terms of the cost. Yeah. Right? And so. you may say that was on 360. That's on our 360 Yeah. So it video. is on the 360 video. We had a chance to go out while they were constructing it. So you'll be able to see that. And then uh, this one's for BJ, but do you know how many times would you be able to fill the Superdome oh. with the amount of sand that they used for uh, Whiskey Island? One million. <laughs> One time I was with Brent Haas from CPRA, who's been on this show before, and we asked him a question like, uh, Brent, how much sediment do you think goes off the edge of the Mississippi? And he goes, One million. It was just so funny because so that's my answer. Yeah. So, what's the answer? Well, it's certainly not. It's three. So, oh, that's but, a, I mean, you a lot. think about this, the amount of sand it would take to fill a superdome and three times that amount. That's, that's, that's a lot of sand. That's very interesting. Uh, millions and millions of cubic yards brought, on, brought in from offshore. And so it's important to note that that material um, came in to the mm-hmm. system. And mm-hmm. um, as Barrier Islands like to do, uh, you know, sometimes the shoreline will move and that kind of stuff. But that sediment stays in the system. And mm-hmm. we've seen it in Caminata as well mm-hmm. um, because it's being introduced from an outside source. That's important. Right. And, you know, it, it can like go back into the system up right. in the marshes and that sort of thing and nourish that area. So it's very important. And then, of course, you know, the bird people, we got to <laughs> talk know about the importance people. of it to birds, but especially for least terns and Wilson's plovers um, and species like that. It, it's hugely important. So Dr. Eric Johnson um, did a blog post, you know, kind of highlighting that as, as, as well as, uh, you know, the other benefits, of course, storm surge protection. Definitely. Um, so go check that out. And then Yes, yeah, so we, we did another blog recently. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much because yeah, we want to have Dr. We're going to have her on, on, the author on to discuss it herself. Yeah, she's, yeah, she is on a well-deserved vacation. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of chatter going around about diversions and people using new and old arguments as to why diversions shouldn't proceed. But, you know, we just wanted to set the record straight a little bit. Um, yeah, sometimes it's very frustrating when when we do our work that people will say 
um, things as fact when it's maybe really opinion or mm-hmm. um, maybe that fact is being used out of context mm-hmm. or that is an old fact. or And so I think that's a little frustrating to us. And um, yeah, I don't know. If especially that... when people, you know, might quote that as fact. Right. Or, right. And know. so uh, so we really kind of put together the most frequently said things that mm-hmm. kind of irk our souls a little bit yeah. um and and alicia did an amazing comprehensive job of getting down into it and really matching the science up to each one mm-hmm. of those things that are said and i think i mean one of the things that's so important right is that i mean there's so much at stake here and like people are their emotions and all of that but you know you can't be like just throwing stuff out yeah. that's not like real and so yeah there was somebody even said it you know a scientist you know our job is to evaluate the data and think about where it came from and then come to a Mm -hmm. conclusion. And sometimes even some of these things that are happening are taken out of context. Like maybe that was an unfair comparison to a new England wetland and Mm -hmm. it's not Mm -hmm. a deltaic Mm -hmm. system like it is here or, or, you know, um, well that uh, report that showed that the sediment is less in the river, um, you know, when they use that against diversions, it's actually the same argument for marsh creation, right? You know, uh, and yet scientists still say that's enough to to bring mm-hmm. our system back and bring that natural right. system back. So we'll, I mean, definitely go online, MississippiRiverDelta.org to check it out. But we'll certainly have a conversation yes. with Dr. Alicia Renfro when she's back and kind of go point by point. Yes. 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 Um, we're excited for that. She needs that. to kind of up her numbers on guests. I know. We need too. to go in and do a tally. I mean, I know yes. we didn't have a lot of mm-hmm. luck tallying the number of episodes, <laughs> so I can't imagine like, how we're successful 50, we'll be tallying now? <laughs> guests per episode. But yeah. So anyway, we are heading to break, but right when we come back, we're going to have our guest. Um, and yeah, we're excited to talk to her and talk to her, uh, you all some more. We'll be right back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, always available online, deltadispatches.org. Uh, I'm Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore or Retreat. Finally, we get to our guest. She's been sitting here patiently Patient, yes. listening, to, listening to us. We're so happy to have Lindsay Cooper in the studio with us. This summer, Lindsay was a fellow in the governor's office, which is pretty amazing. And she was assigned um, to the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. Um, so welcome, Lindsay, to Delta Dispatches. Thank you so much. Is it everything you thought it was going to be? Even better. <laughs> <laughs> so we do like to ask fun questions around here, okay. and um, but we do have a fun guest that we want to bring on the phone right now. Can we bring him on, BJ? Can we get a drum roll? Can we get a drum roll? Special guest, are you on? I'm here. I'd like some walk-up music, please. Um, <laughs> is this oh. avid listener, Chip Klein? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you would call in since you stood us up for the Ooh. State of the Coast show. Well, it requires a special guest uh, of the stature of Lindsay Cooper for me to call in. So, so we've, we've been making Lindsay wait here, but why don't you tell us a little bit about Lindsay and, and her work in your office this summer? Sure. So Lindsay Cooper uh, is a... Um, is a governor's fellow. This is a program that uh, Governor John Bell Edwards came up with for college students that really have a particular interest in an issue or a, a policy area. 
that could apply to the degree that they're pursuing or that have a particular interest in policy reforms uh, that could um, help um, state government uh, overall. And, man, y'all so, lucked out. We sure did. I think we got the cream of the crop at Lindsay. Uh, we said since uh, day one that uh, she was no doubt uh, the best uh, of all the fellows. But um, Lindsay really, really impressed me uh, from day one. I think she came in. Uh, she hit the ground running. She wasn't intimidated. She put up with all you people? Is that she what you meant to say? My, <laughs> yeah, she put up with all of me and my, my craziness. But uh, she wasn't intimidated by anything that we threw at her. Uh, she really grasped uh, all of the funding streams, the various project types, um, and really where there were policy gaps uh, in uh, the areas or the policy areas that impact our ability to, to implement the Coastal Master Plan. So uh, I don't know what you guys were doing in college, Jacques and Simone, but I can tell you that I heard I, I heard a few doing... stories about what Chip was doing, oh. so don't bring that up, sir. <laughs> We won't be telling any Chip Klein secrets, but we should say Mama Klein thinks that her son has come a long way. Well, we are lucky to have Lindsay in studio with us, and, and I just wanted to give you an opportunity to say nice things about her, because I think you blew off her last day yesterday, right? He absolutely did. Yes, thank you, Lindsay, for bringing that up. <laughs> Two Glad strikes. Not, you're not the only one who st- he stands up, right? Exactly. <laughs> I was at a store council meeting, so I was, I was doing the work of the state and working for the people, but um, Lindsay's so- great. I'm really proud of her, and I, I really think she, she is a, uh, a future leader of this state. So, well, good. Don't let her go um, too far. We're, we'll keep her entertained here in new orleans but you should absolutely. keep tabs on her for sure absolutely. well thank you avid listener chip klein do we want to ask you a fun question i know you do not but i would have <laughs> answered the super dumb question the way you did one million, one million. So, so chip was with us actually when bren answered that question do you remember that um i mean it's always it seems believable right like one million <laughs> but it also kind of is deflating when you're like no it's three <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to say now, but it's certainly not one uh, of but, but Bren, of all people, just totally deadpan that, and it all took us kind of a little bit, and so it was really funny. So I'm glad you appreciated that. Well, thank you, avid listener. Uh, we will talk all to right, you guys. soon. All thank right, you, Chip. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. So, Lindsay, welcome. Um, you're currently... No, we're actually let you talk. <laughs> you're a senior at Tulane, but you're a local New Orleans. Uh, where'd you go to high school? I went to Mount Carmel Academy. She did. And were mm-hmm. you a ragdoll, a butterfly, or a pink panther? I was a pink panther. Obviously the best one. Yeah, <laughs> good answer. Yeah, clearly, I have Mount Carmel in my family. It's quite a good institution. I have to say, Sister Camelia Campbell has done so much for the city as well as, you know, the school. And she's just, she's an institution herself and really helped the school and Lakeview kind of come back after Katrina. So, I don't know, how is it being with her? Absolutely. She was amazing. I was there. The past two years, her last two years as president and principal at Mount Carmel. And that was a really great experience because now she's just the president, I do believe. Uh, but she's a wonderful woman. She's so amazing. And you ended up at Tulane. You have did. a double major mm-hmm. with like double minors, mm-hmm. right? So tell us, <laughs> what are you studying at Tulane? You're a senior. I am a senior. Um, I'm studying... Uh, political science and environmental studies with a minor in marine biology and public policy. <laughs> That's why Chip asked us. Yeah, what so what, have you, what did you do in college? <laughs> and I'm, I'm assuming she did it in a reasonable amount of time, unlike some people as well. But while you were at Tulane, you're also active on campus, right, with different kinds of nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. And so tell us a little bit about your work on campus. Absolutely. So 
my freshman year, I got involved with a local environmental advocacy organization, and I've been with them for three years. I was with them ever since that experience. Very cool. So you helped uh, ramp up some recycling, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So I was also part of the Tulane Green Club, and I saw some gaps in how things were run my freshman year. And so I became president my sophomore that, year. That's what happens when you, <laughs> when you point out some things like that, right? I know. Put I put myself it. in that position. That's awesome, though. I mean, you know, Tulane is definitely, you know, they bring in people from all over the country. Mm -hmm, and so, yeah, that's, that's really great for you to be able to do that. So how did you fall into this fellowship? So I found out about this fellowship, I guess, two weeks before the spring semester ended. Uh, right at the end of May, and I got a call from the chief of staff, Mark Cooper. He no me, relation. Uh, he, no, no relation. <laughs> <laughs> he called me four times during my last final exam, and I didn't know who it was, so I picked up the That's phone so funny. and said, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. He told me I got the position. And he I must have wanted you badly. Since. That's great. Some people die for the call oh, from yeah. Mark Cooper, right? <laughs> so, Lindsay, what have, what are some of the things you've been working on this summer with, uh, you know, the Coastal mm -hmm. Protection Restoration Authority and the Governor's Office of Coastal Activities? Right. So, I've gone to a lot of different meetings. We do that a lot. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I went to some engineering meetings, which were very fun. Yeah. I don't know. You were like deep internal. Basically, they mm -hmm. they kept you out of nothing. Right. right. And I really enjoyed that. I got to go to the board meetings, the Governor's Advisory Commission meeting. Um, I got to see some marsh creation, the Cameron Creole project, and the you got Kalmahata to go out to, headlift. Yeah, and you got yes. to go out to Davis Pond. And Davis right. Pond, Port Fouchon. I got all over the place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it what you thought it was going to be? It's actually a lot better than I thought it would be. I never really have thought that I would get interested in Louisiana and get invested in Louisiana. But I think this summer showed me that we can really have an impact on the coast. So... You know, Tulane obviously draws a lot of people from outside of Louisiana, <laughs> although there are many Louisianans that go there as well. Do you think your peers have a sense of what's going on? And then, like, what can folks like Simone and I better do to engage people who are in college or right out of college in these issues? So that's a great question. I don't think that a lot of students at Tulane are very involved with issues that are happening on the coast because most of the students there are from New Jersey, New York, California, no real relation to the South or Louisiana. And I think people do need more education around what's happening at the coast, really the environment in general. I think a lot of people come here for four years and then they just leave. And initially I thought I would do the same to just come to Tulane and leave. But I've really begun to be invested in this area and the issues we're facing. So I think that above all, people just need to be educated, especially at a college level around these issues. I've done a lot of tabling at Tulane with the other environmental advocacy organization I work for, and that does seem to help. But I think just teaching them, showing them graphics and issues we're facing, taking them to these places that yeah, I've he, seen. Because a, a lot of them came actually kind of post-Katrina mm -hmm. right, to right. Tulane and those kinds of things. I think there are probably a lot of activists at heart, right? Mm -hmm. and, and But just to take the issue on of where they go to school and where they're learning i mean they're here for several years and so they could make a big mm -hmm. difference doing what they want to do and then maybe they could take some of those values home and certainly you know they have water issues in california and and we saw it with sandy on the mm -hmm. east coast right i mean there's uh, so many similar things happen in there too mm -hmm. so Definitely. so what um what do you think like we talked about, I had a chance to get to know you a little bit over the summer. Mm -hmm. You have family that lives all over the place. If you had to leave with like just a couple of sentences of telling like even your siblings, mm -hmm. 
you know, do you think you tell them something hopeful or do you think you talk about Louisiana's challenges? What do you think if you had to talk about Louisiana's coast and your work this summer in two Mm -hmm. sentences, what would you say? So I think working alongside the governor's office, the governor's office of coastal activities and the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority, I've learned that Louisiana can be impacted and you can make a difference here. And I would tell my siblings that they should come back and <laughs> that we can back. all make a difference here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good answer. So we do usually like to um, ask a fun question. We'll let Jacques ask the fun question. Uh-oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, now, and Oh, by the way, we don't actually answer it ourselves. So. Now I'm put on the spot. Let's see. Um, what is your favorite? What was your favorite place to visit? Thank you. There we on go. On the coast. Oh, I think my favorite place would be the Caminata Headlands. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And Just the white beaches. It's amazing that you can create that from nothing. Yeah, and Joni's a whole lot of fun, too. Oh, so. she definitely <laughs> is. <laughs> All right, Lindsay, will you stay with us after the break? I Jock, absolutely will. Get out of here, dude. I know, I have to, I have to <laughs> head out, but I will talk to you all next week. <laughs> we'll be back. Thanks after. for filling in, Lindsay. <laughs> absolutely. It's going to be a great fourth segment. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. Some of us will be right back <laughs> after the break. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. I'm Simone Laws with Restore Retreat. My uh, co-host, Jacques Abair ditched me like I do to him all the time. <laughs> but we're here every Thursday on 990 WGSO and online at www.deltadispatches.org. So we have Lindsay Cooper in the studio with us. Uh, welcome back, Lindsay. Thanks, Lindsay Mom. was a fellow uh, in the governor's office, and she was assigned to um, the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. So, Lindsay, what kinds of, you had other um, fellows with you. There was yes. a group of you guys. And mm-hmm. so, y'all almost went through like a little le- leadership. Y'all studied different things and mm-hmm. went different places. So, tell us a little bit about that in general. Right. So, each week we would go to a different department and we would be briefed on the department, what they do, how they do it. It was really interesting, even going to departments like transportation and development and learning about how they build roads yeah. and how they decide what material to build what roads with. I even thought that was cool. Most people don't have that perspective at all, right? right? They just think that somebody's building a road. They may not even understand if it's a parish person Mm -hmm. or a highway, you know, a DOTD employee or anything like that. So that's pretty neat. That was really neat. And then other trips that we did, we went to the Supreme Court in Mm -hmm. New Orleans. Nice. Nice building. It was Mm -hmm. beautiful. And we met with the Supreme Court justices. Nice. So Weimer is from Thibodeau. And so, yeah. I got to meet with him. Have breakfast with him. Oh, awesome. He's Mm -hmm. a great guy. He's a great guy. Mm -hmm. So we did that with the governor as well. We've gone to Angola. We looked at the archives in the World War II Did you know exam. this is what you were signing up for? I had no idea. <laughs> That's awesome. It was really great. awesome. Mm-hmm. So y'all also went to the Center for River Studies. We and, did. And I guess that's your turn to shine, mm-hmm. right? Kind of tell everybody what you learned. Right. So we started off at the Water Institute of the Gulf. Nice. Which is right on the river. It's mm-hmm. beautiful first thing in the morning. Um, and then we went to the Center for River Studies and got to show all the fellows the map and sort of what's happening to our coast mm-hmm. and just explaining what I've been learning about all summer. And they were really interested in it. I think most of them had an idea 
that our coast, we were losing coast because I talk about mm-hmm. my department all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, over in my department. Yeah, of course. Well, in the Center for River Studies is just a really great introduction to oh, that, it right? Is. It is. Beautiful. It's beautiful. So, it is beautiful. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacques actually helped produce the Coastal 101 video, but I think it tells oh, a great oh. story. And mm-hmm. so it's just a certainly a nice venue to do that. And especially it's so close to the Water Institute too, right. that you can kind of tie the, that work together. So mm-hmm. I heard Jacques brought 360 see as well he did how did People that go over that. oh good <laughs> if you heard us we were talking about that earlier right, i mean we right. brought it all different ages and mm-hmm. so um you it's can it's an amazing video it is everybody's like how did you do that i'm like oh no Jacques did that but it is pretty <laughs> cool when people it's always when they have to like grab the chair or grab the table because they're right you, at first you kind of blow it off that it's going to be so immersive mm-hmm. and then you're like oh my god right <laughs> so that's fun the first time that I saw it, I was standing in Jacques' office, just making circles around myself. I have a great picture of Charles Sutcliffe doing uh-huh. it, and it's just so funny because he's, like, looking all around. And, I mean, so that that's the fun side of getting people to do 360. Mm-hmm. So so for the fellow, like, how did that end, the fellowship? Did you have to, mm-hmm. like, how did it culminate? Right. So we were creating a policy and administrative solution to a challenge that we saw in our so own So you had an assignment. We did. Yes. We had an assignment. <laughs> and then yesterday, actually, we gave presentations to the governor, the chief of staff, and all of the cabinet-level secretaries. Wow. Which was really exciting. Nice. Did you win? I know it's not a competition. <laughs> <laughs> I went first, so to me, that's winning. So so from an outsider coming in, what, mm-hmm. what did you talk about? What was your policy recommendation? Mm-hmm. So I saw coming in that the direct effects of coastal land loss are losing marsh, and increase flood risk. But there are so many indirect implications that we feel in all departments. Definitely. And so I saw kind of a lack of other agencies collaborating and cooperating around this. Did you bring that up to him? Of course I did. Yes, you did. Good girl. <laughs> and it was great because I was in a room of all of the yeah, agency right. secretaries. Nice. So my solution to that, I spent the past few weeks drafting an executive order alongside two of our legal aides at the Governor's Office of Coastal Activities and uh, alongside Mr. Bradbury as mm-hmm. well. And that was really cool because I got to build off of a prior executive yeah, order. Yeah, we had um, we had an executive order about the master plan and its mm-hmm. importance and how all state agencies should be consistent with it. So you right. beefed it up? I did. Good girl. So I think that we need first to educate uh, all of the agencies around these issues that are happening on our coast. I feel like even at that level, some agencies probably don't know yeah. what's happening. And how I see it is that every agency is going to be impacted in different ways. And so they need to prepare resilience measures and plans and incorporate that into their agency strategic plans as we get closer to these data projections that we're seeing in the Coastal Master Plan. Definitely. I mean, uh, I work alongside the LA1 Coalition very Mm -hmm. closely. I mean, that's a perfect example of, you know, Louisiana's land loss hits DOTD, right? You know, um, the Department of Insurance, we see that Mm -hmm. all the time and NFIP and some of those other Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so, yeah, I mean, I think Jacques, uh, we talked about it earlier, what more could we do? That's something else that we also need to work on too, is we need to make sure that all these different departments Mm -hmm. understand and that we don't take for granted that just because they have a seat on the CBRA Mm -hmm. board or because they work in coastal Louisiana that they understand both the challenges and the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And and so that's great. It was really great. Good. And sometimes I think it's challenging because you see another agency and you think that they're just going to do their thing Mm -hmm. and you do your thing. 
But I think this is something, looking at the projections in the Coastal Master Plan, how could we not work together? Yeah, very much agree. You can Mm -hmm. see where some departments maybe don't have hardly anything, if anything, Mm -hmm. in common. But that is certainly the case with with CPRA. So that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Very good. It sounds like you spent a great summer learning about coastal Louisiana. I really did. Hopefully we have that hook in you, so maybe you'll stay. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens during your senior year? Mm -hmm. Uh, I only have about two or three classes left. So I'll probably be graduating in December from Tulane uh, and maybe even start working come January. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You can come work with Restore Retreat anytime. (laughs) And I'm sure, I'm sure they would love to have you back at CPRA. Mm -hmm. Well, we do have to close out the show. Thank you, Lindsay Cooper. Please, Simone. Let's do the rest of the show together. (laughs) So uh, they have a CPRA meeting coming up in two weeks on the 15th. You've gotten to sit through a couple of those. Oh, I definitely have. (laughs) Fun four-hour meetings. Yeah, some pretty do some big doozies too, right? Yes, they were. (laughs) (laughs) One about a lawsuit, one in Lafitte. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's been very interesting. You probably we got to see all the behind the scenes about it too. Mm-hmm. There's another meeting on August 20th, which is a Monday. We're going to have a CPRA finance working group. You probably understood that we have a lot of money coming to the coast, but it comes differently. It has a lot of strings to it. So we're going to have a finance working group meeting. And then um, the Governor's Advisory Commission is also going to have meet that same day as well. Uh, we are talking to Charles, and we thought it was important enough that both groups got to hear about it. Uh, and then uh, later on this month, uh, the, actually the Corps of Engineers is coming on their low water inspection trip uh, on August 19th through 24th. Uh, And that's when um, Major General Kaiser, the president of the Mississippi River Commission, which is in charge of all the Mississippi River and tributaries, um, they go on a low water trip on their vessel. And uh, they're going to be doing a public hearing at the Port of Morgan City uh, at 9 a.m. on Friday, August 24th. And then I got to brag because Jacques not here and I can do it. But <laughs> Restore Retreat is having our annual meeting. We only have one of those a year where we update everybody on our work and what we do. And we also bring in guests to talk about um, their investment in Louisiana's coast. And um, that'll be Friday, August 10th. Uh, and it's going to be at Nickel State University for lunch. And we are lucky enough to have Leah Brown of Chevron. She's the policy, government, and public affairs manager. Chevron has been a big supporter for Store Retreat, and they've made big investments in supporting our coast. As a matter of fact, in their grant documents, it even says, um, is your grant consistent with the master plan? So we're, go, yeah, so we're very proud of them, and we're proud to have them. Um, it's been so great to have you here, Lindsay, Thank with you us. So much. Uh, you've been listening to Delta Dispatches. Jacques and I will be back soon. Uh, and don't forget, you can catch us on iTunes and Google Play, as well as Delta Dispatches dispatches.org. We'll see you soon. Thank you.